0: By emailing us at info at the church of Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting the church at slash give.
1: Welcome back. I have my beautiful bride with me again. Hello, Brandy.
2: Hello, everybody.
1: And tonight is actually one of our favorite ones to do.
2: Yeah, I really love this one.
1: This has been the one we kind of been waiting to get to. Yeah. Hey, listen, I want to tell you before we get any further, I have some special bonus footage that will be at the end no, he of doesn't. this. Po- oh, I do. It's good stuff, man. You want to see my wife dance? Oh, uh, yeah.
2: No. I yeah. See, the thing is, Jesus let me sing. He didn't <laughs> let me dance.
1: Oh, it's good. We had a, had a little groove going. No,
2: that's not fair. You can't do that. Well. How's everybody doing? <laughs> Let's change the subject. She's changing the subject.
1: That's pretty funny. That's pretty good. But I do have the footage. Well, tonight, actually, we're going to go real quickly through our four principles, but this episode is actually, you know, having the heart of your child or parenting or having the heart of your children. And this is probably, if you're going to listen to all the episodes, I would say that this is probably the most important one. Would you say that?
2: I agree. I agree. The whole point of life is people. And if you don't have their heart, then what's the point?
1: Well, it's yeah. just like in relationships and evangelism and teaching. If you don't have a relationship, then you don't have any turf. And it's the same thing with our kids. So real quickly, I'm going to go through each of these, um, you know, principles, the four principles that we have. So number one, always parent with Jesus. Hey, if you don't get this point, then hey, listen, man, go tune in some of the previous ones because we kind of drive that one home. If you don't have him, you don't have anything. Number two, love your child as you love yourself. We have little neighbors living around us. This is a biblical principle. Not only is it the golden rule, it's a biblical principle. That What did Jesus say? He said, when he asked about the greatest commandment, love your Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, we got a lot of little neighbors that we need to love. Tonight, this is what this whole thing is about, having the heart of your child. So we're going to talk more about that here in a minute. And then... Number four, you cannot control anybody except yourself. And honestly, when it comes into, it's kind of funny, Brandy and I are having a conversation about this very thing about one of our children on the way here. And so this is just kind of uh, an important topic. And so ironically, that conversation came back to got to have the heart. Yeah, absolutely. And so the world is absolutely filled with distractions. Um, I just got to leave him today. We hadn't had a chance to talk, and normally I come home at the end of the day, and we catch up and everything else, but here's kind of a weird thing that happened. I got on an elevator today, and this is a a millennial age person, and they were watching anime movies on their phone in the elevator with the volume up. Look, get on the elevator, they just barely even look up. There's other people on the elevator, okay, trying to have conversation, and this person just stuck on this thing watching anime. Walked out of the elevator watching anime. I thought, wow. You know, we talk about all these other addictions. <laughs> That's an addiction. That's a major distraction. And that poor person, but listen, how how many of us get stuck on TikToks and everything else? You know, so there's so many distractions vying for our kids' attention. And we really, as we talk about having their heart, this is a real key component because there are so many distractions that we're going to have to fight through that. Our own distractions, our kids' distractions. So we may have to have some uncomfortable conversations with our kids before this whole thing is over. But I will say this, and I, and then I'm going to kind of let Brandy kick us off. But, you know, it's called the principle of first mention. If you haven't heard it or don't haven't heard this principle before, um, it is if you – whoever you hear something from for the first time, that person becomes the expert in that area. Uh, I remember when I was in second grade, I had a buddy, you know, uh, – but an older brother, and he became the expert in sex, and what cuss word, the, the meanings of cuss words were for a while. <laughs> I mean, so, um, you know, anyway, so we need to be the closest and the loudest voices, and we live in times where sometimes we have to have difficult conversations sooner than we would want to, which kind of leads us into uh, what we believe, and I'm going to let my bride kick us off on that.
2: Right. Our faith is at the center of who we are. It should be. Um, it it is our most important legacy. In my own life, my great grandmother was—I I really, be, be, between my mom and my great grandma—I think those two were absolutely the reasons why my heart was turned. Towards the Lord, at yeah. Such you an always talked about you
1: always talk about your grandma, yeah, your great grandma.
2: Well, my mom went grocery shopping. My great grandma would keep us sometimes, and I remember we would look through animal books and bird books, and she would just talk about.
1: Creation. creation,
2: and she would always tie it into the Word of God and how much God loves the sparrows, but how much more He loves me. And she and, loved angels, too. Oh, and she loved angels, too. We would always read, uh, He works in mysterious ways or something like that, and we would read stories about angels. And I absolutely believed in angels because of great grandma. And when I was about 10, I saw one that's a different story for a different day, but I just, your, your legacy like hers, that that's the most important thing. You can leave your kids that she,
1: she was a really neat lady. And I, in, in and we've been married a little over 20 years now, and I've seen the fingerprints uh, of her all over her. And Brandy could say the same thing about, um, my grandmother, you know, and some other people, but it's interesting. So what we believe gets, you know, poured into our heart by people who have, you know, a lot of turf with us, as we said, you know, early on. Yeah. Oh, sorry.
2: When, when you, sorry, I got, I, I I get so distracted. I'm sorry, guys. Um, your legacy is more important your legacy of faith is more important than leaving them money. It's more important than leaving them any sort of belongings, a house or anything like that. Your, your legacy of faith is what they will build your children. I'm saying they, your children will build their lives on. And, and it's likely that, I mean, just think about the people who sewed into Billy Graham. We watched a documentary recently about him. So good. And I just think, Man, wouldn't you love to be the guy who led Billy Graham to Christ? And I know it was through a tent revival type deal, but it, it's 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 that same vein. We want that to be the legacy that we leave for our children. Every, every person on this planet has a belief system. If you're an atheist, you have a belief system, and ironically, it takes more faith to believe that there is no God than there is a God. Um, did I say that right? You know, you know what, yeah, you did say it right. You know what I'm trying to say. You did say it, right. but. It, it the things we believe that's what we're going to pass down to our children so pass something eternal pass the kingdom of heaven show them what it looks like the kingdom of heaven at work and and your legacy of faith will be not only seen on this earth but it'll be acknowledged in heaven we are building our treasure in heaven and everything we do and teach our children i believe is just another and not not that we're working on a workspace faith, but I just feel like we're going to be honored for what we teach our children about God.
1: Well, I mean, it, that's eternal. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, about generational things later. But, you know, um, we're passing on our faith, whether you're trying to or not, you're passing on faith to your kids. God created us um, to for worship. He created us for a relationship with him. And so if we're not investing in our relationship with God, we're investing it improperly someplace else, which kind of leads us to the next point, topic, and that is our worldview. Every one of us have a worldview. It's basically just that. How do I perceive and view the world? What I believe, my faith has a direct correlation and dictates how I see the world, how I see politics, how I see people, how I see, um, you know, wars and conflicts and culture, Okay. And so I remember, and I'm just gonna here's, here's just a when, when Brandy and I got married and um, I'm, I've always been a huge movie buff. And um, what, it's just a it's kind of an interesting story, but my worldview, as I became more and more you know uh, when I be, as I became deeper in my faith and I came closer to God, then how I perceived things and also how I allowed things in changed, um, even including in the area of movies. I mean, I remember Brandy. Just she's always been just very pure, very innocent, and just we saw some movies when we first got married, and she just made some statement like, "Well, I've never seen anything like that before." It happened. It was nudity. Like we, she'd never seen a movie with nudity, and she didn't condemn me. She wasn't saying anything, but I was like, "Huh," and that sat with me. And then the Lord said, "Yeah, that's that's purity." And, and, and so then I realized, so I don't watch movies with, wouldn't it. It, had, it had to do with, cause I want to honor God, but I also want to honor my bride. That was a worldview change. It was a small one. Okay. In regards to, cause I was, I was already a believer, but as our worldviews, our relationship with Jesus changes. And as we draw closer to him, then also it changes how we perceive people. This includes our kids. How I view my kids is a direct reflection of my relationship with Jesus um and how we treat our kids and how we interact with our kids um you know I, I if you haven't listened to the program before we have five children uh four daughters and uh just goes to show you god has a sense of humor i guess he need, thought i needed all these girls and you know what's interesting is their affection how much just there's something to all those little i have one in particular that I'm, I'm thinking she just brandy told me something earlier today that i didn't even know but whenever I leave every day, she will go from window to window until she can't see me anymore. <laughs> um, well, that is beautiful. And it goes to having our heart and that's kind of what this whole conversation is. But what it is, my worldview changes how I see people, how I choose to see people because I want to see them like God sees them also reflects on my kids. So then I pour into my kids accordingly. And, and then, so that means oh, because I'm pouring into them, like Jesus wants to pour into them most of the time, don't worry. Hey, I screw up all the time, okay? We've talked about it on other sessions. Go apologize. You screw up. But anyway, you know, that's part of having their heart. And and so your worldview, if, if, you're, <clears throat> if you're not a believer— There's going to be an opportunity for that at the end of this podcast, but just Jesus will change everything in regards to how you see the world, how you see your marriage, and how you see your children.
2: Well, and I think it's important to mention here how we see people outside of our house. No matter what color their skin is, no matter how much money they have or do not have, if they watch us model love of Jesus to all mankind— even even the rude people on the road that maybe they really ticked us out or ticked us off and, and we have to forgive them right away. Um, whatever it is that you are modeling to your kids how to love people. And it's also okay okay for them to see you frustrated. Oh, and, yeah. and work through that maturity and
1: They've had to watch Brandy learn how to deal with drivers. I mean <laughs> or maybe me, I don't Yeah. Know. <laughs> y'all know, y'all know the truth. If you know us, you know the truth.
2: Love God, it's love brandy. people. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, so the second we're going to talk about, the, you know, kind of the second section here, and that is identifying our purpose.
2: Pastor Tommy says this often. He says, "You were created on purpose for a purpose. You were created on purpose for a purpose." I love that. Not only does it boost my faith when I hear that, and know that God didn't make a mistake by entrusting these five kids to me, but it also is something my children need to hear. They need to, because the, the thoughts of the accuser, he, he doesn't discriminate on anyone because of their age or innocence. He, he comes to our children. The accuser is a liar. And the only thing he knows how to do is to lie.
1: Father of lies.
2: He's the father of lies. That's his only language. And he. He will come and accuse your children. And so when you speak life and truth into them and you are able to say you were created on purpose for a purpose, God made you, you are not a mistake. You were even put in this family on purpose. Guys, that we... We're hand-selected to be the parents of the children that he's entrusted with us. And sometimes we think, oh, there's he, he's crazy to let me be their mom or let me be their dad. But the truth is you have something unique that only you, ordained by God, can pass along to your children. And when I hear that, it just makes me want to be better. Not that I, I, I fail, or I mean, not, not that I do it perfectly. I fail every day, every day. Many times every day Um, And I'm with them all day long Every day So there's a lot more opportunity For me me to be nasty But it's like what Trent said earlier You go to them and and apologize But um, you have to know Why you were created And part of that is parenting your children and then also translating that to your children. Why were you created? God made you so well. He made you passionate for a purpose. You're going to use that for his kingdom. And if they're using that passion on you, you can say, God made you passionate. It's okay that you feel that way. You were created that way. But it's not okay that you're throwing a fit.
1: And directing it the wrong way. directing
2: it the wrong way. Just showing them, God made you that way.
1: And if you don't know your identity, you can't really know your purpose. But... Mm -hmm. I used to travel quite a bit, Um, and uh, not too long ago, actually, you know, I did a podcast kind of talking about Marxism and the Romanovs and stuff. Um, I was actually out in, uh, I want to say, I think I was in Vegas, but it could have been... Massachusetts, I can't remember. Ex- I think it's Vegas, but and Vegas, <laughs> Vegas, Vegas in Massachusetts. Mass- yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I didn't really like going to the place, but anyway. Yeah. Um, but but they did have like uh, this museum, and so they had a lot of the Romanov stuff. Um, the, these Fabergé eggs and stuff that you could go and you could see some of, uh, her clothing. And royal crowns and things like that. And it was, it was really cool and sad. Um, if you don't know that story, it's a really sad story. Um, but then you would go through this and then you would come into this art gallery, a huge art gallery with amazing paintings from, you know, had, uh, you know, uh, Picasso's and uh, I can't even remember, can't remember them all, but, you know, uh, uh, there were masterpieces and ancient in some areas. And so people would be standing around having these conversations, you know, and, I'm trying, I don't want to pick too much, but like, seriously, in these goofy accents, what do you think the artist was thinking? And, you know, oh, I'll tell you what he was thinking. And I mean, I was like, this is stupid, man. You don't know what they were thinking. You don't know what that means. The only person who knows what that picture means, I mean, look at the Mona Lisa, for example. Nobody knows what the Mona Lisa is except for Da Vinci. You know, they argue about it all the time. So the only one who can tell you who you truly are is your creator. And that goes to our identity and our purpose. So, anyway, that's kind of all I had on that piece. But, you know, I'll turn it back over to you.
2: It's important that we can identify our gifts as parents because you are able to turn and take those giftings and, and use them in your role as parents. Also it's important that we see how our children are gifted. Um, if you see, and I'm, I'm talking about more than sports and the stuff they do as children. I'm, I'm talking more about the the heart gifts that he has put within them. If you see that they're leaders or if you see that they're compassionate or that they have a heart to help people or, you know, there are different things you just, you just see developing with your children within your children. And it's important when you see those good things to say, I saw that you went and stood by that girl that was all alone. That really was powerful how you used your your friendship to bring her out of the side and and make her feel like she belonged. Or if somebody is in the car and we see a homeless person and and we have one that's moved to tears, you, you just... Praise them for the compassion that's yeah. in their heart. Talking about how how Christ put that there. That that's an that's an example of Christ in you and and just praising them for uh, who they are. But our our gifts bond us to each other, not only in the church body but within our our family unit. And uh, you know we have seven people in our family, and I I think we have much in common. But then there are some of us who are just more administrative and some of us that are, um, softer and and I don't know, there's just a hodgepodge, but it's beautiful. It's a beautiful mess. And your family I'm sure has, has all these different things happening within it too. And, um, just praise, praise them for who they are and walking in that and, and just know that you have so much to share, that the gifts you have truly are shaping the future within your children um, I think it's such a neat thing how God uses family.
1: You know, and it, I've even there's this uh, Cody Johnson mm-hmm. song. You know, it says until you can't. You know, and it's a great. It, it's there's you know you can put a ring on that finger of that girl whose heart you have, until you can't. Um, you can you know go put off fishing with your dad, you know, um, or baiting a hook until you can't. It's interesting, and and we live in society. I know many of you, um, both parents work and. <clears throat> And of those, of you, any of you who stay home, you work even harder. But when you get to the evenings, it's really not uncommon for you to be um, really tired and to just, oh, I'm mentally done. And look, I get it. There's days. But sometimes we just have to kind of push through that and and say, okay, I'm going to make sure that I invest in these kids, that I see their eyeballs. Brandy, has, that's what she, she'll she say. I like the way she says it. Um, there's times where we'll have been really busy. She said, she'll say, you know, they need, we need to see their eyeballs tonight. And that can mean a lot of different things. And we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a minute, but also we need to be a safe place to fail. I think that that's critical. Brandy, you know, she's really good at that. Setting those kids up to, you know, to try new things. She's a, she's an artist. She's, you know, not only a vocal artist, but she's really good at drawing and painting. And she's created an environment, cultivates that for our kids. Uh, apprenticeship kind of what I was referring to a minute ago Till you can't like apprenticeship is another piece of that. Like, um, you know, if you're good at auto mechanics or whatever, or, or, or woodworking, or if you're going to good at DIY, teach your kids, create, let that be in our home. We're all musicians. So naturally, um, there's always somebody on an instrument and that is an atmospheric thing that get created. And so that's something that we, you know, that is just, this has happened organically naturally just because we, doing it. So anyway, but got to be a safe place to fail. Um, You know, uh, when I was, (laughs) if we all think back to when we were kids, you can probably think of one or two or ten situations that were negative, uh, that had a really negative impact on you. I'll share one here in a minute of mine. And you can also think about those who are really positive and how certain people um, impacted your life or certain events impacted your life uh I was a kid i was uh, I was really skinny I was a skinny kid, man, and I remember the first time I was ever invited to go to any kind of church thing outside of the church that I grew up in, um, which really didn't do that but it was um <laughs> it was to, it's got to kind of like a day thing so we show up I'm wearing shorts. I was man, I was skinny, and I had really skinny legs, and I was getting off the the van, and this girl was behind me, and she had her own issues. She was quite a bit older than me, but she goes, oh, my gosh, look at how skinny his legs are. He looks like a skeleton. I mean, it really – I mean, it devastated me. In fact, to the point where – so I i don't know if you know, but I got to where I started out bodybuilding. I got really big, and I'm a decent-sized guy now, I guess, whatever. But that there was a season where I couldn't touch a weight because God had to heal me because it became an vow thing and, and so forth. But what happened when Brandy and I got married, uh, I don't even know how I really owned a pair of shorts. Mm-mm. Okay. And so those wounds can go deep. And here's, I will say this, and I'm not here to criticize anybody. Okay. That could have been, that's something one person did. But what happened was, and I just feel like it's important to say this. I had family members who came kind of behind that and said, yeah, you kind of look like Ichabod Crane. And and and, and so instead of bringing healing and saying, man, just don't worry about any of that, instead they, they said, oh yeah, you got skinny legs. You look, look like Ichabod Crane and, and I don't know, other things. So I was like, oh wow. Well, I'm never going to take my pants off again. That kind of sounded weird. That's not how I meant that. Um, that's not how I meant that. Okay, but knew what th- you meant. yeah, okay. Um, but to to have empathy for our kids, they th- we live in a very fallen world. Uh, one great story that I can I was telling somebody the other day. Our our three little girls. So we have, you know, an eighteen year old, a sixteen year old, four and a half year gap. I think we've said this before, but then so our next one's going to be twelve in June. <laughs> Beautiful heart. And a number of years ago, we had a, a, a garage sale, and um our kids they all they get to live like it's the 1950s they're so innocent they get to you know they they know things are going on in the world we keep i mean but they get to be free they're the most free people i know and a little girl came in and, and our daughter just made a statement. would you like a doll like these dolls and this little girl had already been kind of swayed by things going on in the world and made fun of her for liking dolls and and you could tell that would began to try to the enemy was going to try to set root there I'm gonna let you go from here because you were there.
2: Well, she was upset and felt, you know, small because that's what the girl intended. And I just, I said, "Hey, it's fine. You play with dolls. Play with dolls." And I said, "I played with dolls secretly till I was 14, and everybody made me feel like I, I should be ashamed about it. But play with dolls. You're that's a great place to be." And she's like, "Oh,
1: okay." (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, and so it's amazing just that. So we're talking about that being, a, so when, when failure happens, also be that empathy. See what's going on and kind of be there for them. Because anyway, you set the atmosphere.
2: Yeah, your kids are watching how you respond to things. If, if it's drama to mom and dad, then it needs to be drama to me. But if, if they're not worried... I mean, it's like when they're babies. If they fall and you fuss over them, and oh no, and they're they're gonna have a big dramatic cry every time they fall because they get all this fuss. And but if you're like, you okay? All right, up, let's sweep off your sweep off your pants. All right, we're good. Let's try again. And they, you're setting the atmosphere to try again, fail, try again, or you know, just let it roll off, love, forgive, let's go on. I know that hurt. Come on, let's pray for them. That's what the Bible tells us to do.
1: And to be on the same team. Yeah. I think that's a really big deal. I've seen a number of situations, um, even growing up, where the the parents would, you know, play kids against each other or make, you know, just uh, always let them know, no matter which kid, and they're all, I mean, you're you're on all their teams, and, and that's a really big deal.
2: Well, I feel like as, as a parent of teenagers, I, I feel this often where I know what I want them to be doing, whether I think they're compromising or, or whatever. I just, and I feel like sometimes I become this adversarial person in my mind and heart where I just want to pit myself against them because they're not doing what I think they should do, but that you've said this before, hate never won anybody to anybody's cause. So when I lay that down, I feel that Jesus can work far better through love than he can through my...
1: Well, I agree. And I'm going to just go ahead and ask, I mean, because I think you just struck a nerve. Um, how do you lay it down?
2: You know, it it might take several times, and it's not a natural feeling. I feel, I, I thought I would be more mature in this by now <laughs> that I have an 18-year-old graduating. But um, hopefully by the time our youngest gets there. I'll, but I, I feel like it, it's a matter of faith. Do I really believe God's going to do what he said yeah, that he would do in my children? He did it for me. I've seen him work in these all, all these other areas.
1: I mean, look what he gave you. I know. I mean, he gave I you me. I know. Prayed <laughs> you in, babe.
2: But... If I if yeah. I don't believe what God said, yeah. then I'm going to take matters into my own hands, and that never looks. It, good. It
1: never does, and it's so easy to do. And I won't, you said something a while ago. Um, I don't think it was on on air, but you made a, it was about emotion because um, emotion can cloud our judgment.
2: Yeah, I I was really trying to hear the Lord about a certain situation with one of the kids, and I said I. I just really don't feel like I'm hearing the Lord and I really am wondering if I need to go seek counsel from someone who has been here before because I'm just not hearing the Lord and I'm I'm feeling too much for his voice to come through and maybe as I, I pray on this the Lord will speak but it's it's wise to go seek counsel the the book of Proverbs talk about
1: the wise man seeks counsel
2: right so if 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 you're in a situation and you're not quite sure how to handle it I think absolutely go if anything, you're gonna get the compassion. Yeah, oh, I remember yeah I've those
1: been days. there. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's it's uh, like you know life is hard. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. And and it in my opinion, it's never been harder. It's never been harder. I mean, look at and, and I'm not trying to get political anyway, but just look at the state of our country, um, the division. I mean, the hatred, the the venom. If you look at the news, I mean, in Chicago. There's supposed to be an event. 400 teenagers sh- showed up just out of the blue this weekend. I mean, and we're violent and fighting and, and beating people up and destroying property. I mean, this is just – this is the environment we live in. Then inflation is through the roof and and in social media and pornography and transgenderism and all this stuff. And, I mean, it's, it's just fever pitch. You can feel the enemy. And some days you're like, I don't know what to do. Like, ah! And and so life is hard. And so then when your kids fall into any of this, you're like, it, it, it's – so. It goes back to this first of all let's go to genesis 128 god in the in the garden they had it perfectly okay but even when it was still perfect said now go and subdue the earth okay and and it wasn't far much further into the word that you know they screwed up and you know we are where we are but you know just understand that life is hard and if it's hard for you imagine how hard it can be for your kids so that level of compassion we need to instruct them to learn how to deal with this, to go and to be creators, not consumers. And I think we live in such a consume not not just buying, I mean, of course, buying things, but consuming like just junk through social media and these YouTube and TikTok and all these different platforms well, instead of going and creating. What are you saying? Even people. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And even people. And 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 so this is one of those things where we have to teach our children. To work, to have realistic expectations, um, and I'm not trying to be ugly. This, this has just been my experience. I have. I, I'm going to go ahead. And let's start. brandy always said you do the sweet, and then you did you know the hard stuff, and then you do the sweet again. <laughs> She's doing that in relationships. I think we said that in a marriage still, but, um, but I have two millennial guys that work for me, and they're phenomenal. I mean, honestly, uh, I'm so proud of them. Their work ethic. They they work hard. They are here. They're diligent. Um, whether I am watching, here's what here's what really is impressive, and it's a sign of their character. Whether I am here or watching them or not, I get the same results. I know that they're here. I know that they're working, and and they are such a credit to their generation. Now, many millennials, and it's a it's an issue here here for long. I'm gonna actually be doing a podcast. I'm gonna be talking about you know some st- st- some statistics and research I've done, but how depressed the millennial generation really is. And and part of that is is that they were trained. They, everybody got a trophy and everything else. And so what happens is when they come to, they don't know really how to work. Um, and and now they, I'm, I'm I'm not I know I'm using the big blanket thing, but this is this is a high percentage. So what happens if they don't get elevated quickly enough? Okay, they kind of want to come in and be the pres made the president of the company and, you know their second day, and that's kind of been an experience that we've had and has been a tough thing to work around. So. We're taking our children, and whatever generation you want to call them, and, and, and we're making sure they have realistic expectations, understand that life is hard, and that you've got to work for it. And <clears throat> when the world comes at you, you know, put your faith in Christ, don't be afraid to, to just, I think that that was something that we, I think really, this is something you said a long time ago, is that we need to make sure kids understand life is hard, because there were some things that caught us off guard.
2: Right. I, I really felt like I was just doing life terribly because it was so hard on me and I, my parents made me work and I had to do laundry and help and things like that. But, um, and they prepared me well, so don't hear me saying that, but I just, I wasn't prepared for how hard being an adult was for, for whatever reason.
1: One of the ones that kind of stands out was just parenting. Brandy always had a heart and, and I did too, uh, to be a parent. Um, but we were drowning at one point, just so many kids, and 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 just it was just so hard. And the Lord told you something one day. We had kids in there, you know, playing, you know, drinking out of the toilet and <laughs> whatever else. Oh
2: mercy! Yeah, those were hard days. Um, I was potty training one, and we had just had spaghetti for supper, and one didn't make it to the potty, and so it was on the kitchen floor with the spaghetti. A two toddlers and an infant kind of deal, um, and the big kids were just—they were, they were still so small. I couldn't yeah. ask a lot of them just yet. And um, I was crying, cleaning, cleaning up yucky spaghetti off the floor. And I just remember the Holy Spirit telling me, "Just because it's hard doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It's yeah. just hard." And that's that stuck with me all these years. And also something that I've just passed. To anybody who I can say it to, just because it's hard doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It's just hard. And to feel validated by the God of the universe in that was very meaningful to me.
1: And you can apply that in so many different areas. Yeah, but for sure. But I thought that's that's a good word. I wanted people to hear that. Yeah. Well, section number three, our family culture. Our
2: family culture. Um, Many times we hear culture and we think ethnicity, and it's not, it is part of culture, it can be, but it's not limited to our ethnicity. Um, our culture is, is who we are under our roof as a family. And, um, it, it includes your, your language and your banter and, um, the way you tease and play the hobbies that you have. Um, this is, this is all a part of our family culture. And some of us didn't come from a great family culture. Many of us came from dysfunctional homes. And I just want you to know, you are not bound to be loyal to that dysfunction and to bring that family culture forward into your home. You can start new. It can be brand new with you and your family. And honestly, whether you had a great upbringing or not, I really think it should be. Begin brand new with you and your family, you and your husband or you and your wife decide this is what family means to me. Mm-hmm. Even if you have to sit down with a Sharpie and some paper and, and write that down, this is what family looks like. This would, this would mean a lot to me. We go camping every summer in a camper or in a tent and find the non-negotiables like... Um, we we will find a great church and we will be plugged in and, um, and that's
1: a really important one right there. Oh
2: yeah, worshiping together is definitely a huge part of family culture. But just just finding the things that make you or like make us Taylors, make you the Williams, make you who you are. Um, it's just so important that you you invest in that family culture. Create time. Be intentional. You. Oh, I heard a great quote today. Let me think. Uh, with only with intention, can you have excellence?
1: It's a guy like that. That's good.
2: So if you want an excellent family, you're going to have to plan it. You're going to have to, that's where you're going to put your time. I've heard it over and over about marriage, but this also is applicable with children and your family. Um, if it was a garden, and we we have a huge garden, and it's a lot of work. <laughs> you gotta weed and make sure it's all watered, and you gotta prune, and then you there's the picking of the fruit, which is
1: that's, the whole that's reason a good, yeah, you do that's, that. that's yeah. a good part. Yeah,
2: but um, it is work. And then you have so many pickles or cucumbers that you're making pickles, and you're tired of pickles. Um, but th- all of this is is gardening, and without putting in the effort in your family, you're not gonna have you're not gonna have any fruit if you don't invest into it, and So that's part of all your culture.
1: Um, Go ahead. No, I I was just going to talk about also sometimes, you know, we have some things from our past that have a tendency to Mm -hmm. kind of be overshadowing our present and having a negative outlook for our future. And the word talks about this many times as generational curses. Um, You know, when we've taught this course uh, in front of all kinds of different people, um, many of them not believers, and they can all agree on this point. When I talk, we talk about generational curses. Even the ones who aren't believers all start chiming. in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, my grandfather was a you know an alcoholic, and so and so was an alcoholic. So I'm an alcoholic, or I have a really. There's a, a a man that I used to mentor, and I love him to death. He he kind of comes and goes, but this poor man. He he's if he had been given a better opportunity, he would have been a preacher, and he because he has just a heart of gold. But this poor man, when he was two years old, his grandfather started getting him drunk. They had him smoking weed by I think six. Okay, he never stood a chance. He never stood a chance. So the Bible talks about that. It talks about generational curses. In fact, it hits in quite a bit of scripture. Um, I know that I'm not throwing scripture up on the screen tonight. We've we've mentioned some, um, but anyway, Exodus 25, Exodus 34:7, Numbers 14:18, Deuteronomy. 5 9 and here's here's what it says that you shall not bow down yes i'm going to go and read the deuteronomy 5 9 but you shall not bow down to them or worship them for i the lord your god am a jealous god punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me now that's a really important thing now he goes on to say something i'm going to read the the wonderful part here in a minute okay at any point says for those who hate me that's a really important phrase because that means you can break that generational curse at any time. It's up to you. We've seen it done in, in in some of our own families. So you have the complete, if you're, just because what Brandy was saying a minute ago, you're not bound to the dysfunction of your family, of your family's history. You can start new. I don't, I don't know if you said, it. you may have, I was thinking for a second ago, but make our children's floor, our ceiling, right? Okay. And so, <clears throat> You know, but I want to go on and read. And so you can find these two scriptures. They parallel. Moses is writing this, you know, uh, most likely across all these. So you can tell this is a common theme. Um, But Exodus 26 and also in Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps the covenant and mercy for a thousand generations to those who love him and keep his commandments. Look, we all fall short of the glory of God. So let's just go ahead and say right there, say, well, because I, I, maybe I, I indulge in this too much or I cuss too much, which all those things, let me tell you something you're not going to get any judgment from, from me. We're all sinners, Okay. I am just further in my walk. And so the things that I really used to struggle with, maybe I don't struggle with as much now. That's not what this is talking about. Okay. We all fall short, but we have to fall back on our knees every single day, every day, Brandy and I. We get up, we go our separate ways because we want to be in, our quiet, in the quiet place with the Father alone. And we pray together. We pray together tonight already. But, but we go to those quiet places and we sit at the feet of the Father and we let God go to work on our hearts. And it's something that sits with each of us all day long when we're in the midst of all the hard things. So don't feel condemnation and think that, oh, it's not possible for me to break this. It is all you have to do, is lay it at the feet of Jesus. You may have to do it again and again and again and again, but if you will lay it at the feet of Jesus, he'll 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 help you overcome.
2: Mm-hmm. Home is where the heart is, and when Jesus says at that center of that home in the center of our hearts, there's life and peace. There's a scripture in Romans seven or eight, I think, but it's just the the mind led by the spirit is life and peace. And obviously the one that isn't led by the spirit goes to death. And, um, I just hope that we choose life, choose peace, (laughs) fight tooth and nail for it. Whatever, whatever that looks like within your home and family culture, fighting for that peace. Um, sometimes it means we don't do all the, all the stuff. We, we say no to it. Um, this last year, our oldest laid ballet down, and
1: yeah, we it, saw a lot of good fruit from that.
2: It, it was a hard decision because she has done it for so long. Um, right before she turned three, she started, and that was that became a big part of her identity. But when when we say no to something, we're saying yes to something better, right? We've all heard that. Um, within our family culture, though, just spending that time together, and being able to invest in your kids character telling them how to do life this is this is what it looks like to clean a house and this is what it looks like to you, all the stuff Te- teach them about everything well Brandy's
1: really good at this I, I, I'm want to point just some some examples out so all of our kids they know how to to do laundry they know how to cook my boy he knows how to prepare a meal for himself you know honestly I would say and I'm not being critical but our oldest um, probably missed some of these teachings. And so she's having to catch up on some of them. Anyway. She was at ballet. <laughs> she was at ballet. I mean, yeah, seriously. Yeah. No, no, I mean, she's, it's, a great she's phenomenal, that, yeah. but like learning how to cook some of the other little girls know how to cook something that she didn't know how to cook the other day. I mean, and so it's, it's something it, I want my children to model her, my, my girls. I want them to model her and I want my son to model me. Um, and, and we fight for that honor and that, that, that position. But Brandy's really, really good Uh, We have something in our house. I think we've talked about it before, but, you know, the kids get up every day and they have their daily routines that they go through, morning habits, Uh you know, and and it's interesting. um, Our youngest, every day, man, the first thing she does, makes her bed. You walk by, it looks looks great. We don't expect perfection, but I mean, it's like they, they take pride in what they're doing.
2: Right. Our lifestyle choices are also being carefully observed by our children. They are. How we talk, how we dress, how we eat. Um, down to manners how we how we love people Um, something that I've felt really convicted about from our kids being really young is if if I am going to ask it of them I probably need to be doing it myself Um, whether that's making sure my bed is made if I'm gonna ask them to make their bed then I probably need to make mine if I'm not gonna wear skimpy clothes then are we
1: yeah if if, if I want them to not yeah. wear skimpy clothes go.
2: then I better be dressing modestly myself I they watch us for how they are to behave um if I don't want my little girl to wear a, whatever when she's a teenager then I'm not going to dress her in it when she's two it's just a, a principle that I felt I really feel like it was God given and I, I, I wrestle no with question. it because yeah. I, I wrestle with it. I really do because this it's is not this legalism. World.
1: It's modesty. And the problem is, is that we are so desensitized to what modesty is. We can have the very same conversation with an atheist 50 years ago and we could agree on many things. In fact, I was watching something in regarding uh, video games, how desensitized we are. So um, this would have been in the early 90s. I remember when this was going on. There were all these video games coming out that were really violent, like Mortal Kombat and all these things. And they were gory, like ripping people's heads off and, and all stuff. And so our government, it was led by the Democrats, if you can believe this, Joe Lieberman and all these other people, saying, How, look at what, what we're doing to our kids. This is insane. We shouldn't be putting this. There needs to be regulation around children being allowed to play these horrible video games. Okay? Well, I can tell you this. I agree. Everything those guys said when I was watching these C-SPAN segments – I know. I'm a nerd. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Somebody,
2: somebody needs to watch it.
1: Yeah. Some, well, I was, I was actually doing it for research.
2: I'm glad it's you. I
1: was doing it for research. But my <laughs> point was is that we – early 90s, we would have the same conversation. Um, and so this isn't about, you know, legalism or any of that. It's, it's just about modesty. It's about protecting – when we protect modesty, has, what, what has – what's a benefit of modesty is also to protect our heart. Um, and to protect other people's heart That's an example of that, I guess. I didn't mean to beat a dead horse, but...
2: Oh, it's good. What about investing in each other daily? What's that look like?
1: Well, you know what? It's kind of funny. Um, It's looked different for every kid, honestly. Now, what's interesting is our three youngest, I mean, they're like, they get built-in buddies. So, 11 to 8, okay, nearly 12 to 8, and they play together and fight. (laughs) 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 But... You know, one of my it's become one of my a while back, and I think I've told y'all this before. But the Lord, it really was. The Lord said, "Hey, go buy um, a Mario game and sit up there and play it with the girls." I was like, "Okay." I really didn't. I honestly, I kind of. I used to like video games, and it's been a while since i have you know been in video games. And so I did that, and what happened was, it it became it really started bonding us, and we would laugh. <clears throat> excuse me, we would laugh and have. Uh, you know, just a good time. And then, so almost every night now, it's not every night, but I'd say most every night, um, I try to purpose time to spend with them. We'll go sit and we've been watching Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and some Star Wars stuff and 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 it's just it's just a time where we bond. Um, it doesn't have to be that. The summertime's coming up. There's going to be a lot of nights where we're going to be outside um, by the pool or, or by the garden. But that spending time – and what's funny is so now the whole house has started congregating. Like Brandy will come up and as well, and she'll work on them. She has puzzles or whatever, and, and depending on what we watch, we can even suck in the big kids, you know. And, um, and even what has gotten to the point where if we're not all watching the same thing, we all somehow end up in the same room. And that is a big deal.
2: Yeah, it really is. It's special.
1: And so I think that's something that we really – and then I purposed to really try to spend time with my big kids. You, you know, the other day, my boy invited me to do something. I was like, I, I would have canceled, you know, pretty much anything. As soon as he says, hey, can, can we do this? And I mean, And I looked the next day. Uh, we we're going to be doing it that night. But the next day, I look forward to the whole day. My boy asked me to do something, to hang out and to do this. And I was excited to do it. So when given that opportunity, I know we get busy. But when given that opportunity, sacrifice, even if it's a sacrifice, look time, Look for time to spend uh, with your kids, and and I'd say this, I mentioned it a little bit ago, but you know, keep apprenticeship alive. You know, um, I I don't expect my kids to do what I do, but I'm going to teach them as much of what I do as I can. Expose them to these things, plant those seeds. Um, you know, because you know something that my dad planted in me. Uh, Early on was working out and I was working out today. Interestingly, my uncles came by to pick something up at the house and I was working out and I just realized like, huh, I just, I mean, I've thought about it before, but it just kind of hit me like, cause I said, Oh no, go finish your workout. Well, that's, that's something that was passed down to me and, and it's kept me healthy. And I think it's been a good thing. So anyway, I think that's, that's about all I have to say about that. Really.
2: It's important. We kind of touched on this already, but to worship together, go to church together. Have, have devotional times in your family. It doesn't have to be every day. I feel like so many times we here have family devotionals and we think it has to be this hour-long thing and it's a drudgery and the kids, oh, they just... But it, it doesn't have to be but just five, ten minutes. In fact, I I have fallen out of the practice of this in the, in the last... Two or three months, but for a while I would bribe the kids to Bible time with tea and good bread and, or make a big batch of cookies. We would just find, find ways to bribe them to the table and then just making it really quick. But often it would just be reading a passage or something. So it can be very simple. You can read it out of a book if you're not sure what to say. Um, The Bible app has some great devotionals that you can share. So if if you don't feel adequate in Scripture, join the club. I I sure don't. And I think that's a tool of the enemy.
1: Well, it is. And I I would say this. I mean, I think that's also the same line the enemy tries to propagate in regards to telling other people about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Nobody can take your testimony away from you, period. It's your testimony um and and so share it but let's say that you're wanting to teach your kids some scripture well go find one in our house it's kind of funny uh psalm 23 i remember brady was teaching the kids you know the lord is my shepherd i shall not want well our youngest one cora at the time here's what she heard she She heard george is my sucker i shout what i want (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean And so it didn't have to be a long scripture, but it's funny. Everybody got tickled, you know, something that's kind of become part of our culture because it's funny.
2: Yeah. The Bible, according to three-year-old Cora, Um, pray over your kids daily. Some of us just don't know what to say and we feel clumsy, but honestly, just talk to God like you talk to your friend because that's who he is. And when we pray over our kids, I have it here. I'm going to read it. At age 18, if we pray over our kids every day, that equates to over 6,500 prayers. All for your kid. And, you know, maybe we don't, we don't have the greatest day, but I feel like that, that prayer at the end of the day reaffirms our connection to the child and, and brings their heart back into connection with God. So they're not laying there and the accusers lying to them and just reminding them how bad they were that day. And
1: no, they see, they see our love. And then Mm -hmm. not only that, we have one tonight, ironically. So after here, we're going to. In a little bit, go pick her up. She's gonna, she was gonna quote unquote spend the night with her grandparents, but she wanted to come home because she
2: wanted us to pray for her before bed.
1: <laughs> I thought that was awesome.
2: Yeah, that's so sweet. I could pray over the phone. No, I, I just need it like we always do. Okay. <laughs> um, when they were little, I, I heard this, um, through a Coryton. Tin, it looks like Tin Boom, but you pronounce it Coryton Boom. Um, but she, after. All of her hardships, she worked with cementally um, disabled people and just loved them to pieces. And she would take their hand and say, God loves you very much. And every, every word squeezed a, a different finger. And when the girls were toddlers, I would, I, after I read that, I copied it and God loves Annie very much. And it just became part of a routine that. They were reminded and, and something about the physical action with with it just, just made them feel so loved. The the word says train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are grown, they won't depart from it. And part of putting that family culture or part part of family culture is that word, that word, that word. Just as often as you can, bring bring the word of God out. And apply it to life, not as this is what you're doing wrong, but um, even if they're discouraged, finding scriptures to lift them up and, and how much God loves them and reaffirming that to them at an early age.
1: You know, that's it's, it's an ecosystem is what we have. If you were to go, think of, the, think of it like this. So we are creating an ecosystem and an atmosphere in our, in our home. So let's say that if you take a hot pot of coffee. And you open a cold refrigerator, and you put that hot pot of coffee in that cold refrigerator. We all know what's going to happen. One of one of several things. If it's too cold, it may blow up, you know. Uh, but the carafe. But it, if not, it's definitely going to cool down. That that hot coffee that it was on fire, you know. We'll say for Jesus, okay, it's related to a person. You put it in that cold environment where God is pushed away. Then what happens? That 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 coffee is going to go to that same temperature. Same thing in our home. Um, we have an ecosystem. In fact, there's a, a little graphic that I created one time. It's just kind of our family ecosystem. So this all kind of comes back. It's a, it's a circle. So we're creating an environment for our family to thrive. So here's our beliefs. They, that, that, so what we believe, you know, it, it morphs into our purpose, our identity and our purpose, which has a direct impact on our culture and the things that we cultivate in our in our family and in the environment and the atmosphere that we're creating. So, you know, we need to create for our family to thrive. We need to create a godly place. And I want to say this. You know, y'all might be thinking incorrectly that it is just always peace in our home. We do have a peaceful home, but we fight for that peace. Fight for it, yeah. We fight for that peace. And we fight for each other. I fight you know, uh, for her, she fights for me. We fight for our kids. We fight for peace. Um, and I know it sounds weird. We're fighting for peace? Absolutely. I mean, it's, we're, there's an enemy, and he hates you. And he hates our children. He wants to destroy uh, everything that we do. But let me tell you that whenever, as a parent, my job, my most important job, is to make sure that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That begins with the atmosphere uh, and the ecosystem uh, that we create you know, you have to remember, you're going to have to be sacrificial in this. You know, and in, in Mark nine thirty five it says, and Jesus sat down with him, his disciples, and he sat with all 12, and he says, if anyone desires to be first, he will have to be last and servant of all. That's what parenting looks like. Um, you know, it's I, I've heard horrible stories <laughs> over the years of uh, how selfish one person or the other has been. And let me just go ahead and tell you this: if 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 you're not sacrificial for your children, then nobody else will be. I can guarantee you that. Um, we need to be sacrificial for in our marriage. We need to be sacrificial for our children. And if we do this, we'll, it eventually, I promise you will see good fruit. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that uh, you want to add there? Or?
2: No, no. I except that this is our our favorite thing to talk about, and. It might even be one of the harder things to implement just due to that selfish, natural selfish nature within us all. But um, it's worth it.
1: Just remember this, that wh- whoever has your child's heart is who they're going to be listening to. Um, and and it, it, there's going to be seasons where it's difficult, um, you know, and you're going to be thinking, do I have their heart? Uh, does, a world, does the world have a piece of their heart? Um, what do I do? And and I will say that it begins in prayer. Um, can't tell you how many times I've woken up in the night or my day or my begins or ends with prayer over a kid. Uh, I, I've kind of fallen out of this habit. But one thing I was doing, we have five kids. I was praying for Monday through Friday. Every day, A kid, I had a kid assigned. Um, lately, I've just been kind of blanketing everybody. But, you know, I, I want to say this, and, and as we begin to wrap up, is that, the most important decision you will ever make in your life is whether you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is it. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, then all these things we're talking about, I mean, you have no authority. Christ is the center of all authority. Tomorrow, um, I'm actually doing another podcast that we're going to be recording, and, and doing it with uh, Trent Morgan. He's actually been on the podcast before, and it'll be released here in a few weeks, um, and it's about heaven, and many times we talk about salvation and needing heaven, but we don't know why we need salvation. Uh, that's one of the things we have to argue about now um, in, in the area of evangelism, people don't know they And sinning. And, but, but not only that, less than 1% of all conversations about, you know, or, or sermons are about heaven. If you knew, so you're going to want to tune in on that. But let me tell you something, is that what this life right here is but a speck. I mean, literally a speck, not even just a speck of all the sands of all the earth. I mean, it is... It is just a speck compared to eternity. And if we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, first of all, you don't want to know. We're going to talk about those consequences, but you, you, you don't have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Secondly, it's going to make this life and parenting and marriage so much harder. And so in Romans ten nine it says that if you confess with your tongue and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and God raised him from the dead, you're saved. That's what, that's, it's that simple, I don't have time right now to go through the whole Roman road. But I will tell you this, that it is, I, my, my spiritual birth date is May 22nd, 1994. I can tell you the very time and moment that I chose to give my life to Christ. And tonight, or today, or in your car, or this very moment can be that for you. And, and all you have to do is ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And here's how it goes. In John 3 16, it says what? He sent his only begotten son to die, so that we shall not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. And then John 10 9, as I mentioned, I'm mean, sorry, Romans ten nine, As I mentioned a minute ago, it says, All we have to do is confess with our tongue and believe in our hearts. It's a condition of our heart. And so if you feel that tug right now, you can feel it in your chest, and you know that if you get hit by a bus or you die right now, you don't know the days that you how many days you have in front of you. None of us do. Do you know where you're going? Do you know that you are absolutely saved? I would ask you to say this prayer. If you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, here's how it goes. Heavenly Father, I know that you sent your only begotten son to die for me. I know that I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and Jesus is his name. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, and I know right now because I confess with my tongue that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Listen, if you have just made that, said that prayer, and you've just come to that realization that you needed Jesus, please let us know. We will never, ever, ever embarrass you. Let me tell you something. Every time I hear about somebody getting saved, and when I see people raising their hands or standing up, I I get all teary-eyed, man. It's the most beautiful thing that I can possibly see. We want to just go alongside you. Uh, in this journey. And we would love the opportunity. The the very first thing Jesus did in his ministry was to be baptized. We would love to talk to you about what baptism is as well, and also discipleship and how to to grow in your faith. Call the church. You can actually even, if you're watching this uh, on YouTube, you can uh, direct message me on YouTube and I will respond to you or direct message the church. But listen, we are so, so thankful that y'all have taken the time to listen to us Um, And just our struggles and what little we have learned in parenting, and hopefully it's benefited you in some way. We love you. We're so thankful that you joined us today. And please, if you received Jesus or if this podcast has impacted you in any way, give us a thumbs up, share with your friends, and we will see you on the next one.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church of Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church of Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.